Look, long story here down, oh, I ain't no food. Come on. Uh, what's going on? Man, this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film A Quiet Place. What? Uh, what did you say? You're being, you're being every person in the theater <laughs> during this movie right now. Wait, I got to finish my carrot. Okay, finish the carrot. Get, <laughs> yeah. in, get in the game shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Sorry, I, I, this car- carrots are surprisingly hard to chew, people. Chew at least 30 times. Yeah, you can't. You have to masticate really really hard. Oh, man. I have so many jokes, but I'm not going to oh, say any of them. boo. Yeah. Uh, Shahir, how you doing, buddy? Wait, sip of Scarpity. <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> episode for anyone listening and going, these guys have got really top-notch production value yep, yeah. because we are just fucking that all up. We went off the rails. Yeah. I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm uh, hot <laughs> off the- you're, you're, you're Matthew McConaughey in All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, hot, off the, hot off the rails of this film. I went and saw it last night. Okay. Uh, so I'm psyched to talk about it. I'm very psyched to talk about it. And, I, and I, I'm not sure. I'm hoping. Like, okay, this is a film where as soon as it ended, I was really excited to talk sure, about sure, it, sure, but sure, I have sure. no idea if we we're excited for the same reason Maybe. or the opposite reason. Well, we're never going to know until we do a little housekeeping. We are going to do a little bit of housekeeping now. If you want to get in touch with us to do some housekeeping, maybe you're a house cleaner. I don't know. You could email us in with your rates at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. I'm cleaning a, a specific want from you at this yeah, current. Yeah, I really do. We, do. we need some cleaning help. So okay. if, you, if you are in the neighborhood. Tell and, you what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cleaning services for sheer or general movie questions. Onlymoviepodcast well, at gmail.com. Well, we, we had some fun emails at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. This one from Mihai, uh, who writes us in from Romania. Hot damn! Yeah. Oh, actually, his his email address is Mihai, but he says his name is Andrew. Either way, I discovered your podcast when searching about Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I like this podcast because I like Marvel. Just kidding. Don't worry, Mr. Kroll. I love them. Ah! But for real now, what attracts me the most about your podcast is the knowledge you brought packed, uh, the, the knowledge you pack in when it comes to movies, and the way you complete each other and the diversity of movies. Do we complete each other's scenes? I think so. <laughs> uh, Without nice. you, I probably wouldn't have cared about so many movies, which is really nice. That's that is a super a, sweet. Yeah, that is actually really, really lovely to hear. And we hope that uh, the, the aim of this podcast is to, uh, imp- well, into it's to generate some buzz about the movie going. Uh, experience or or even to the point of something that a lot of people have said to me uh, about this little this this biz we call show that we kind of do welcome to the Shahir's and Matt Pat on the back podcast well it is no but but like uh, is the the reason they've come and stuck with us is not because I mean yeah we have some we know some facts and that's always cool (laughs) but like it sounds it sounds like uh, people love talking about movies and and apparently we're uh, okay at it Uh, Mihai goes on to ask the question which I think Matt you should be able to answer this one this is this is directly at you when i watched guardians of the galaxy volume 2 with mom in the cinema something extraordinary happened the scene when rocket comes out i don't remember the rocket coming out but okay it actually made my mom tear up which i found interesting because she not only does she she only tears up at dramas and i figured you two might have an answer i know it's not really a question but you know he just wanted to know why do why does why do we think his mother teared up at a at a CGI raccoon when she normally goes for uh, you know traditional dramas? Let's say uh, I was going to talk about this in the Phase Three podcast, but I'm going to give a little preview right now. Ooh. And I think he sort of means the group sort of coming to terms with like how troubled Rocket sort of it, like when. Um, 
he uh, you find out that moment with Yondu when it's like, oh, it's because I know I know you, boy, because you're me. And you have this whole buildup of like why Rocket is basically being an asshole the entire time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we've all dealt with sort of um, I feel like in our friend circles or our family, um, like problematic people for one way or another, or even even beyond that, uh, self-destructive people that don't really notice it or aren't accepting of help and are just sort of that like lash out, etc. And I think there's something and you, you you take that and you put it in something where I think cinema is something that's wonderful because you, you can take concepts like that and put it in places you'd least expect it, which would then let uh, perhaps his mother or, or anyone going to this movie not expecting that sort of experience, it allows it to sort of sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. And it also gives you the one-two punch of it coming from an anthropomorphic, uh, very cute animal. And yeah. that gives you a whole bunch of other, like, extra feels on top of that. Um, so I think since you, you, you add the surprise factor plus the, that sort of basic animal lover cute factor, you get some, <laughs> animal lover. You get some interesting uh, some responses. I actually watched Guardians 2 last night, uh, actually, okay. and uh, the it's still multiple moments in that movie make me tear up. There is something uh, underlying emotional about the 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 topic of families and the way you, you know, you, f- families are the family you choose mm-hmm. and uh, – uh, there's something incredibly powerful to that in in regards to it, and and, and choosing uh, uh, a family that is uh, not perfect and not necessarily always good for one another, but they still stick by one another. I think there's a lot of sort of um, things that that rolls up into one being why someone who is not normally affected by a comic book movie is affected by this because this movie does things that normally a comic book movie doesn't do. Um, and I uh, I've been deep diving real hard into a lot of the Marvel stuff lately. So yeah, that was yeah. uh, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, I, I, I think I went a little bit uh, broader on that just to basically say, you know, uh, we should always be open to uh, venturing out of our cinematic comfort zones and you will be surprised at the things you will discover. Um, yeah, and uh, there, uh, Lindsay Ellis actually has a really good pod, uh, uh, video essay that she made uh, called The Complex Fields of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, check um, that out. Check that out, which has kind of got an interesting take on why Guardians of the Galaxies affects her so personally. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Mihai, for that email. Uh, you can, uh, as I said before, you can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod, where we are currently having an ongoing conversation about how Infinity War should inv- should actually end with an infinity orgy. And I hope phase three, I might write an equation about this. Uh, <laughs> your phase three conversation is only building up to the infinity orgy that we all know, expect, and demand we've, at this stage. We've mentioned this a few times as Phase 3, Phase 3, Phase 3. Uh, Shalia Evans and I are doing a retrospective in all the Marvel movies, all 18 of them leading up to the Infinity War. Eps 1 and 2 are available right now. If you haven't copped those yet, if that's something that interests you, go go knock yourself out on there. They're, they're long, but I I think that they we got stuff to say, and we framed it around a lot of what Shahir has asked from the very beginning of my love affair with Marvel about what do these films mean and what are they actually trying to say. Um, and I, that was super helpful as sort of a structuring device and we're just getting we're recording phase three this weekend and then infinity war is going to be here before we know it there you go so um yeah so uh but before that before we move on to infinity war or the infinity orgy the infinity god damn it it's it's gotta happen uh a quiet place ah a quiet place all right so should we just get this out of the way okay right before we get what because because I don't I don't know what your response was but when I saw this movie I got so excited I at the end of it this is one of those few experiences where I actually 
I I think I actually applauded at the end of this movie, no. and I was like just so amped. I thought this movie knocked it out of the park. I was so thrilled by what this film did. I know I'm, we're going to get into analysis and and further thoughts about it, but just uh-huh. as a general thing, that was why I was so excited to chat here. How about was was that the same response for you? Or uh, I did not applaud. Yeah, uh, but I really loved what I saw for the most part. Okay, um, this film, not enough to applaud. Not I, I very rarely <laughs> applaud at the end of if if it doesn't have an after credit sequence with another hero I recognize. I don't know when I'm going to be applauding you for. Didn't it. stick around for the after credit sequence. What? Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> it's just all of them standing in a silent sound booth, going, "This is where we're going to be safe from now does, on." Does it pan over? And it's the Rock and the White Gorilla from Rampage, just like telling each other to be quiet. Yeah. You're like, it's the same universe. Exactly. Um, no, I uh, I dug the hell out of it. I think. I'd been jonesing for so lately. Um, a lot of our um, our horror or thrillers have sort of fallen into like two ish categories. Okay. Uh, up to this point, there's been sort of like you know the more uh, t- teen sort of like silly screamish type stuff, like Happy Death Day, yeah. or Truth or Dare that's coming out soon, which I hear is awful. It looks pretty bad. <laughs> uh, the the or we're getting like super meaningful deep psychological horror things like get out uh you could even uh break down like the witch and a lot of a24 stuff a lot of the time just very like there's a um there's just sort of a sense of almost like uh current societal stuff intermingling with our horror even more than it i mean horror always has been a place for that but like really stuff seems very poignant now mm-hmm. this is 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 neither of those two things this is a straight up monster survival movie Mm -hmm. and i can't remember the last time i saw one of these that had a world that 99 percent of it worked uh that that it, it followed its own rules so closely that that got you as intensely on the edge of your seat muscle tensing over where someone was going to step Mm-hmm. Uh, in a very long time, I think, uh, man, friggin' uh, Jim from the Office. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Joseph Krasinski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yeah. Uh, he, from a directorial standpoint, I think killed it. I think he he absolutely stepped up to a plate. He'd only done one other thing. The the um, I can't remember the name. He's directed two films before, oh. um, which was the uh, brief interviews with hideous men, uh, which is the adaptation of the David Foster Wallace book and uh, the hollers, which I haven't seen. Now I, I, I kind of heard, you know, his directorial efforts were at this point were uh, low budget indies or, you know, kind of smaller independent films. So, the, so to go from that to now the number one film in America at this point yeah. uh, is kind of a big step up. But yeah, um, you know, John Krasinski, Jim from The Office, as everyone knows him. I love his IMDb page, by the way. It's his tall, handsome American film and television star, John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> also, almost Captain America. He's not wrong. I know. That would have been a, a much different world. Yeah. Um, it's it it I think everything sort of sort of about this film hits sort of at the right time for me. Okay. Uh it's and it is at the core, it is a horror sort of gimmick, that being that the monsters are, are sound based and and that you have to be very, very quiet uh in this world or else they get you real fast. Mm-hmm. Um but it's gimmicks done right. It sets up rules, it it follows them. And it makes normal, everyday, trivial things terrifying. Yeah. And that's what good horror does. So tell us what the movie's about. Well, the movie, if you don't have a computer right now, 
and you can't read IMDb. It goes a little something like this. A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. Yeah, it's it it's it's a simple yet effective premise. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um I was uh, I want to tell you about my day before leading up to the movie. Oh no. So uh right now we've got uh, a little thing at home. Uh, my wife is sick, so normally we we divide up our childcare duties. Your child rearing? Yeah, we have child rearing duties, but my wife is sick right now, so I've been kind of solo dadding for a little bit and um and uh which is great by the way i'm getting I'm, I'm i'm spending some time with my son he's a lot of fun we're kind of bonding you know like which is a lot of fun um but i'd had a day that day where he's gotten into this thing where he started biting me and <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, you and i live very different we lives. live very different lives yeah exactly and like and the biting was like the first time he did it i was like okay he's playing around he just doesn't realize how painful this is to me and then the second time he did it I actually lost my cool and, and, and I was like, and I put him down immediately and I sent him to, to timeout. And I like, I, I'm always very cautious about, you know, t- using timeout. I only want to use it very uh, carefully. I don't want to like get angry when I do it. I want to be measured. I want to make sure that he knows and he understands. It's like antibiotics. You yeah. can't just shove them into every problem. Exactly. You can't do it all the time. Cause he'll just get used to it. But like, this was one of those times where like when he bit me, I actually like yelped out loud because it really he actually drew blood. And so I like I and he like immediately understood. He went into timeout and he just stood there. Most of the time I gotta like, if we're gonna go into timeout, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a thing. It's a discussion. Yeah, it's a discussion. Get the it's board a, of directors. It's, it's a negotiation, is, is more what it is. <laughs> so he goes into timeout. I'm sorry if this is a long story, but no, it's I'm, get, I'm I'm actually rather enthralled. This is gonna get us to a point. And then we, I, you know, so I leave him in timeout for like, you know, a couple of minutes and then I go back to him and I look at him and I know, and he knows this is the first time in a long time where he knows he's done something wrong. Sure. He's got this look on his face and I say, well, you know, do you know why I put you in timeout? And he says, cause I bit you normally I'll put him in timeout and he'll, and I'll go, do you know why I put you in timeout? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and oh, he this, knew. this one, he was like, I knew. And then like from the rest of the evening, he was, he was compliant and he was, um, thoughtful and fun and gentle and you know he knew that he had kind of like hurt me and he was you know and he was really trying to go out his way so that's the pre- then i like so i put him to bed and then i rush out the door to make a screening uh side note the only screening available was rpx which cost 21 dollars and is not available for movie pass this is the dad brain in me or the 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 economist in me going the something's wrong here because i don't see what the value is but anyway get into the movie first thing that happens is a young kid is wandering around and has to be quiet and has to be compliant in the film, not in in your your theater, in the film. (laughs) And, and I, and I immediately see my son. That's all I see. I see uh, the the little kid in the film is a little bit older than my son, but I'm four. Yeah. and, And my son is two. But I immediately see my son and I, and I start thinking about, and, and I start, you know, like automatically before they even start, um, before anything goes wrong with the son, spoiler alert, um, I start feeling, I, I just have this incredible sense of guilt. 
I feel bad that I put my son into timeout. I realize that my son is just like, he doesn't know that he's done something wrong. I, I, I get dad guilt. Like I feel- Really? Yeah. Oh, completely. I Because I, I never want my kid to feel bad. No, but you're making, now I'm, I know this is turning into the only podcast about parenting, but th- what you did there was was proper parenting etiquette. You, ta- you taught, in, in a sense, you're helping him to learn to feel bad when he does something like that so he doesn't do it again. But I feel terrible because, because my son, who's like this fun-loving kid, is suddenly now- you know, like he, all his kind of wild energy that's beautiful and fun and, and ecstatic and, and crazy, and that's what makes him whom, has suddenly been corralled in. Well, yeah, because he bit you. He's a cannibal. You got to make him not be a cannibal. But, you know, and, and so and, and so I start I, and I see this kid in this film and he's basically being told to hold in the primary instinct of what being a kid is about, which is shouting loudly. And the kid's like drawing on the floor saying, I'm going to shoot. You know, we'll, we'll get away from this by, by a rocket into space. Mm-hmm. And the kid sees a rocket on a on a on a bookshelf. And, that, and that's all he wants. And. Is in a department store. They're yeah. like scavenging, and and I'm just suddenly like panged with guilt and fear, and all I want to do is go home and like you know like I just want to be with my kid again. I'm I'm kind of feeling like oh, I don't want to be in this movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then so we get into a minor spoiler for the first ten minutes of the uh, film. It's, it's it's the first film, uh, first few minutes of the film, and and then what happens is the the child does you know like his childlike instincts immediately step in and and rather than listening to the the logic and reasoning of his dad and his mom uh you know played by John Krasinski and Emily Blunt um the, he you know he takes the toy that he shouldn't take he takes the batteries that he shouldn't take and he puts them together and we see him turn turn them on and we realize that it creates a sound this immediately causes danger and he's and he's killed and <laughs> and let me tell you i I, the the I can't I can't quite describe the wave of emotion that hit me because that kid was just trying to be a kid and he doesn't understand the stakes of what's happening here and ordin- like I would you know like I I know you know I can't show this movie to my wife I you know I just can't she's not no. she she won't watch it and there's an interesting thing uh, I don't want to get away too much from your point but from the from the from the perspective this is at 86 days from when these monsters came yeah. here there's there's a newspaper on a wall that says like a meteor hit Mexico maybe they're Something, on that yeah. they don't really explain it yeah. um and they hunt by sound so this kid if he's three years old right yeah he has lived three and a half ish or if he's four years old he's lived three and a half ish years of his life being a rambunctious little kid. so so i could see for yeah. instance a newborn into this world you could kind of train yeah, maybe it, but it, possibly more so but this is a kid that was a kid yeah. that now can't be a kid that's intrinsically sad i and agree it's, and it's like there's no way to actually tell him. and so uh you know again i i would say for a lot of people that would put you off, you know, especially the way my headspace when I was seeing the movie, you know, kind of would be like, I don't want to be in this movie right now. I don't want to do. But it actually what it actually did was it put it sent me into a place where I was on board for what this movie was going to do, because from that point on, everything about this film reflected the terror of what living in a world with no sound actually means. And I and I and I thought this movie just played that line so beautifully. And every scene really it 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 played with that idea. It it introduced new you know new concepts at every turn of like how could we get around this, you know, um and how can we undo this? And it never like 
you can see, you know, I, I read a couple of interviews with John, John Krasinski where he said he's not a horror guy. He's not, he, he actually himself said, I'm too scared to go to horror movies. But when he read the script, he said the thing that made me, you know, want to do this film and desperately want to do this film was that it's about a family trying to like figure out the reality of the new world under the parameters with which they live. Now, I just think this film just plays that entire thing so well. It's, it's a, it's, it demonstrates uh, on another level how inventive you can be with horror, even though we are like, you know, so far into the horror genre where we've right. almost done anything. This feels new and fresh and, 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 uh, you know, something that we haven't quite seen or heard before. Right. So uh, I was just a hundred percent on board when I, when I left the theater, there are a million things that you could pick apart at this movie, but it got me thinking a lot about how if you're on board with a film, it's almost like the little details don't matter. And, and you know, movies which are um, about details, it, we, we seem, we, I think we're in a stage where we think the details matter, but they don't. What, what, what matters is are we excited by this thing conceptually and are we on board on the journey? And, and if the film doesn't break the journey for us. I remember I was thinking back about our It, it Comes at Night review where, where there was something that broke the journey for you. Yeah. If if you are on board with this film, then those little details don't matter. And I think that was this, this, this profound sense of like, I was just so on board and on side with this movie. Yeah, I think it it goes down to into into the thing I kind of say all the time. It's it's if you set up rules, don't break them. And this movie doesn't break its rules other than like, and I'll get into the super minor stuff. But again, it's 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 checks and balances too. For instance, a film that I feel like I do not enjoy anymore, even though I enjoy ninety percent of it, mm -hmm. is Signs. Right. I yeah. I I, so, I like Signs a lot. The Signs analogy is. Okay, you're in. So the, the whole thing—it's very clever. I, spoiler for signs—I don't know, but the basically aliens come down. Mel Gibson and his family fight them off and figure out that actually the thing that takes down these monsters, these aliens, uh, is water. What? And and then they uh, and then they defeat them and make them make them run off scared, right? And baseball bats, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that'll that'll do it for anybody. Yeah. Um, but my but but the reason why the end of that film and that twist of water breaks f the film for me is. That at that point you have to the film is forcing you to make a decision of okay so now these interstellar uh, creatures have flown here in a spaceship and they've all they've been doing so far is killing and eating people but people are <laughs> made, made of water but yeah. people are made of seventy percent water on a planet that's made of eighty percent water and it just it breaks. It just it doesn't jive with me anymore so it takes me out of the movie going experience. This film never did that. This film. Uh, the it's it's rules are and it's structure i can i can look you're you're right about this uh if i wanted to and i will at the end of this because it's fun yeah. i could pick it apart and make it not make sense yeah but it keeps you engaged through very visceral and that's the word i'd use for this film uh storytelling enough where you don't really want to pick it apart especially not during yeah no. um and you can sort of after the fact again i go back to there's a part in the film and i don't really want to spoil too much of this film weirdly enough and i don't think we have to to talk about its effectiveness or where it might stumble here or there mm -hmm. um the there's a part where there's a, a nail sticking yeah. out of a sticking out of Chekhov's a nail yeah, yeah. yeah uh sticking out of a floorboard of a, of a step yeah and um someone steps on it and has to be quiet and instantly that's a that's a real tense thing for anybody but then even after that happens 
it's still there the rest of the movie to the point where anytime another character I'm like they're not going to do this gag twice mm-hmm. and and they and I this is a minor spoiler they don't yeah but to the point where like I'm like oh my god the daughter's working on this no 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 yeah. okay okay <laughs> and then I literally when there's a part where the monster comes downstairs I was like monster's going to step on a nail that's I was thinking the same thing <laughs> and isn't that, but isn't that amazing I think you know the other thing was was that you know obviously the film is so quiet yeah. that you hear everyone in the theater kind of either chewing on food or you know whispering to each other or that was to... our joke with the carrots but 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 in my theater which is pr- pretty full uh nobody was kind of like distracted what they would if they were whispering at all or they were cu- making noise they were making noise about the movie you know they were reacting to the movie they were engaging with the movie so it was kind of like this effective it kind of also demonstrated as well this thing that you know like we we forget about you know sound is 50 percent of the movie kind of thing yeah and and how effective silence is you know restraint actually during it so i had a uh jamie and i got popcorn and <laughs> we ate but we ate i we finished most of it before the movie because that's just trailers are long enough where right. you finish all your food anyway uh, i'm that obnoxious guy who doesn't eat the popcorn till the movie starts oh, you you are the worst <laughs> i'm the worst person to go to a movie uh, but so i'd finished it and put the bag down on the ground and i had my legs my legs crossed and at at one point i moved my leg and crunched the bag <gasps> and I, no one was mad or anything like that but myself i felt myself tense <laughs> up like i hadn't before because this film has set you up to be like any noise is bad and i just i just died yeah that i would be dead you would be dead uh and that's a really powerful mechanic for this film to actually engage in. Um, I think... I, 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 I tell you, I don't like the word gimmick, you know, when you use the word gimmick to describe it, because I... Uh, yes, you could... Technically, you can call it a gimmick, but it's so ingrained into what the film is about that I don't feel like gimmick quite... Quite apply. Gimmick has this sort of connotation of of uh, huckstering or trick or trickery or something like that. Whereas it's gimmick I think- for a good purpose. I mean, maybe I, I, I get the connotation uh, that you're that you're that you're getting from when I say gimmick. Uh, maybe I I could change it to uh, simple idea. But I think concept. You know, concept. Like it, it is, yeah, conceptually, this is it's a film about sound. Oh, and, and, but. Okay. I, I get it. Gimmick, gimmick does have a negative con, and I could think of uh, so f- the, some movies in the past that I've used the term gimmick on. I do mean to use in a sort of negative sense. So maybe I should change it when I do mean something positive. I don't. I don't. It concept. Sure. Yeah. I think because a concept is. Oh God, this is going to be weirdly and heady, and I'm going to try to talk myself around it. But like a concept is uh, uh, what I would hope it'd be a well thought out mechanic. Uh, used in 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 this case film. You can say it's a mechanic as well. Yeah, where yeah. where uh, a gimmick is sort of something like what, what, Happy Death Day has a gimmick. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a yeah, the, there's the a, Groundhog Day thing, and that is a gimmick for yeah. that. Um, okay, yeah, I get that. I get that. So I mean, yes, you can, and I and I will uh, wholeheartedly say there are some things in this movie that that kind of are silly. There's a, there's a couple of things that are silly. The the it's weird to say the writing is poor. Um, no, but, I don't. I, I well the dialogue, say. the dialogue. I mean, but I, I, don't, I mean, hold on. This is this is where I have two. I have two story like character issues. Okay, and maybe you can talk me through them, and maybe they won't be a problem for me anymore. Okay. Um, one of which is okay. So due to the death of the youngest son, you're left with a family of four: a mother, a father, a daughter, and uh, a son. Uh, daughter's older, also deaf, played by uh, a deaf actress. Yeah, which uh, worked very well. M- Millicent uh, Millicent Simmons. Yes, uh, and uh, so every one of the family has their own little piece of guilt 
Mm-hmm. For the the death of their fifth family member, the youngest child. Yeah, except uh, for, except for the youngest kid. Well, the youngest <laughs> kid. It's weird. So they set up everyone else in this movie. The mother feels guilt because she had a free arm and could have carried him. Yeah. The father feels guilt because he's supposed to like in this sort of thing protect the family and keep them safe. Uh, and the the daughter uh, feels guilty because she gave him the toy back even though the batteries were out, and then the littlest kid took the batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the sort of thing like that. The son. I feel like probably it feels like almost a cutting room floor thing of the son feeling guilt for it because he was sick and they the reason why they were looking for medication in that drugstore in the first place. Yeah. They don't get into that. Yeah. But the, the 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 conflict, I would say, between the daughter and the father uh, felt a little forced to me. And because there's a, there's a particular moment where you, you, you're supposed to glean that like the father... It, it, it happens almost in the wrong order for me to make total sense of it. So in order of operations, the father has been working diligently. Who He's not an electrical engineer. He's just trying to like learn uh, how to make a, a hearing aid to assist his daughter. Yeah. He's a farmer, right? Yeah. I'm, guess, I'm guessing this is a family of farmers. Yeah. And so he's trying to do it and he brings, he presents her another uh, hearing aid and she she's like it doesn't work and he keeps trying to put it on her head and she's like it never works and they get into a sort of not verbal altercation but a sign altercation and they're just she's so angry at him mm-hmm. and I was like okay and then the next time where we see them clash is when he's going out to teach the son how to fish and collect stuff and not be scared of the open world and 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 show him the river where they can actually talk because the waterfall which I thought was a beautiful scene and a great mechanic why not move there yeah. um <laughs> So <laughs> I, I, continue. I'll, yeah. I'll got a, I've got something that makes me chuckle. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then the daughter is super angry that like, that he's not bringing her. Yeah. And I get that. It's almost like I wish those scenes were in an opposite order. So you could see a little bit like you could piece together outside of the plot that the, 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 the film is showing you how their relationship could be strained, but it, it didn't, flow in a natural narrative sense to me on why it was so so butting heads even to the point where there's a part where the two kids are hiding from the monster and uh the daughter's like he's gonna come for you not me and i was like that's a little extreme like and 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 i think wait say that again the the they're on top of the the grain silo right and uh the son's like don't worry he's gonna come for us he's gonna come for us And, and she's like he's gonna come for you because they're they're pushing the the narrative that the that the that the father doesn't care about it. It's just not handled. You you have to do it. I feel like, and I don't know the absolute correct way. I just feel like there was a bit of a misstep. I think because of the structure of how dialogue was portrayed, that they that something of that interpersonal relationship got lost. I almost feel like I'm literally talking about it too long for 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 the amount, the tiny amount that it bothered me. Right. Um. And then the other side of it is, uh, because of all the silence, the moments where there are a little bit more dialogue or or larger moments feel over dramatic. Right. And that's that's I I can't even blame anyone for that but there's there's two moments in the film uh where where people like scream like yeah. uh well not counting the wife uh under under some other things um and those two moments 
I don't know. Maybe the first one doesn't. There's an old man in the woods and there's some reasoning why he does it. But then the second time, uh, it just in those moments, I don't think it would have been a scream. If I needed to make a lot of noise, I would have made my last words sort of count. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, uh, in a world where aliens are hunting us down, Matt would have had a soliloquy for his final moments. Well, no, to the point of like to the point of just instead of screaming, like maybe like yelling, I love you to sort of further down a thing or like like you could. I don't know. It just there was little bits that that made and again didn't throw me out of the experience at all it's just if i need to find places where i have a nit to pick Mm -hmm. those are really them as far as a a script perspective so i think we should really jump straight into like heavy spoilers at this point if if you haven't seen the film please uh my highest recommendation to see it yes same absolutely go see it in a movie theater um and see it uh try i i think the thing that's that's great about this film is it nullifies bad movie going experiences because it's a it's so good and so if you go to a movie theater that happens to be kind of known to be a movie theater where people talk i don't think they're going to talk during this movie oh i bet you they will I, I I don't know. The movie theater I went to is one where people talk a lot. Where'd you go? Uh, you Astoria. You, you know, yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, Astoria, you know, we you get a lot of people in that movie theater to you know, shouting and talking and you know, you know, on their phones and that sort of thing. Not a hint of that in this movie. And mm-hmm. it was a pretty big audience. Um so absolutely go see this film. Uh, stunning uh it, it is the third film by John Krasinski, but I think it's the one that, you know, puts him on the map, oh, so to speak. A hundred percent. Um so in spoilers, I think the thing about the interpersonal relationships are there's a couple of things I want to think about on a deeper level about this movie. Let's do it. Which is the the societal value of horror, and we've already talked uh, ad nauseum, and I think it's been celebrated enough um, to discuss a film like Get Out, yeah. which, which has a uh, an important societal reflection, um, and and uh, obviously from uh, a critical theory standpoint, any film can have. Um, uh, societal relevance if you interpret it in that way. And I think the thing that was interesting for me is watching this movie is that uh, in general, there's a sort of, there's a sort of absence of societal reflection in this film. Well, the, the, the mode of operation of this movie tends to be quite primary. You know, it's quite, it's quite primal. It's about like, figuring out problems that matter right now and how do we solve them and then you know like and and discovery as we go along um you know like if we think about a film like uh jaws for example jaws has like this sort of interesting counter narrative about um about world war ii and surviving world you know surviving world war ii only to be eaten by predators you know like (laughs) you know there's a there's a sort of uh finiteness about life who are the predators in that particular now it was actually predators you know like predators came down you know from the movie predator and they were under the water you know uh incognito mode um so they could browse for porn um but 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 I think there's a sort of primacy about this film that 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 is actually what is beautiful about it. I would say though, the things that you're talking about, uh, particularly in the case of um, Millicent's character, whose uh, her name was Regan. It's hard to remember uh, the names it, of these characters because they, because don't, they don't speak them. Yeah, they don't speak that much. Um, is the is the sense of um, I think that I think there must be. Imagine living in a world where sound is one of the most critical factors you must now have and not having being able to hear. Super frustrating. So the, 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 the level of, and I think this film actually really plays into that where they do really interesting things. Like, for example, um, you know, uh, occasionally the film will actually allow us to get into Mil- uh, into Regan's perspective. It's so good. By, by cutting out the room tone. You know, like most films have. Well, adding room. white noise. 
I, they actually, in, in in my opinion, they just cut the room tone out. So you would go from a scene where you could hear ambient, oh, and I, then they, and then they would cut to her point, you know, like a shot of her, and you wouldn't see. It. And I think the first place that they do this is in the is, store. Is uh is is actually outside the store when we see in the background the lights of the of the rocket ship are now going. Oh, and and we we you know like she's completely oblivious. That's to That's the first big moment. They do do it in the store when it's just the youngest son drawing on the ground and her. That's yeah. where they sort of introduce it. I'm I'm fairly sure and please write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com and tell me if you know this or not um i do think they must add a little bit of white noise or tone to it because i heard a ringing perhaps yeah i mean it may be because that would tie in later into the story i didn't hear the ring i just heard like i like you know my ear is trained to hear uh like um import uh Sorry, poor use of ambient tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when it like cuts out, I was like, oh, and they're doing this for a specific purpose because this character can't hear. I'd be super interested to talk to. If anyone knows also anybody who did the sound on this movie, I would love to pick their brains. If you have a connection to John Krasinski, email us at Only Movie Podcast. Well, no, I, but like, we, no, people, we have industry people listen. I'm curious about some things. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, and, and so I think as well, there's a level, and, and, and the thing that you have to do in this film to essentially die, it seems like there is no, if you, there, there was one rule in this movie, don't make any sound. And if you break that rule, you die. You know, like it's, and so I think the growing level of frustration of living in a world where that is yes. the boundaries with which you live in are so, um, so devastating and so imposing that when that man screams at the end, you know, like when they come across the couple and one of them has died and the, the old man, man screams, yeah. and the old man screams, I kind of understand the level of frustration that must be of just like, you know what? Fuck it. Sure. I'm done. The thing about both screams or the thing about even when the daughter is frustrated with the father. And of course, everything's got to be incredibly frustrating. We are gleaning that and maybe this is a thing where you don't need this sort of level extra level of information that maybe I do we only see a one time jump we see 89 days and then 400 and whatever days so like that's a year they've been dealing with this for a year no question um but like a lot of times in these films when people start getting frustrated and making mistakes or doing crazy stuff because they're because everything's so tense and so frustrating it shows us that it shows that sort of grow yeah. like throughout it and here it jumps and it's just everyone's instantly frustrated all the time and it makes narrative sense but from a character's perspective i have a hard time a harder time again i got on board yeah. but it's it wasn't a, a smooth ride as a, when when specifically talking about character uh, frustration because i had to assume it and it wasn't I assumed it due to the world building and not what happened with the characters. I, I just, you know, like and in terms of societal value of horror and I and like so this is one of the this is going to be again, I want to really preface everything I'm about to say from this point on, which Uh-oh. is to say I love the movie. Yes. You know, I love the movie. I, I love, love the movie, too. I love what the movie did. I love the experience of seeing the movie, um, you know, and so this is just kind of exploring in a critical way uh, some of the conversation we can we can develop from this point on. Sure. Um, but but, you know, for example, the societal value, the thing that 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 struck me about the way in which this film operates in terms of basically taking away one of our primary senses. There's a um, there's another film called Blindless that came out um a few years ago that starred uh, uh, Gail Garcia Barnell. And I think it was, uh, I can't remember the director's name, but, but it was essentially a film where, you know, uh, people were going blind and they're put into a single asylum. And then they, one person goes in because she has sight. So there's this, and there's a sense of inducing madness. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the actress? 
Uh, it was oh, I'm going blank on my on her name. Red-headed actress, yeah, Julianne. Julianne Moore. Moore. Sorry, I was looking. That was I was trying to get to the same film that you were listing on yeah. IMDb, and I had to go through Children of Men to get there. Sorry, yeah. and, continue. And, and it kind of like it, the 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 film kind of descends into this sort of madness, you know, like, and I can imagine the sense of like taking away another faculty like sound could could induce madness. Oddly as well, I also thought there's a video game that you and I have played and talked about, uh, This War of Mine, where I started thinking about like the, the oppressive nature of being under attack. And, you know, like the sense that this family is just constantly under attack. And there's an oddity to, to uh, you know, like, you know, and I, and I wondered if there was a way for this film to kind of like introduce a broader message. But again, that's just me spitballing. I, I think that's the kind of thing me as a director would be like oh this is a bigger exploration of the way the world works and I'm like I like that the film actually didn't do it you know like because I think that that would just kind of like take it into another realm where it might not have worked as well there's a lot of think pieces out there uh, yeah. a lot of articles because every film has to have some sort of weird subtext, subtext to yeah. it I don't think this one does but you can add subtext to anything so one of the main ones that I saw yeah was that well, it, it reflects our current world of if anybody speaks out about anything on the internet, you get torn down to shit. And like, or, <laughs> I think that's or, a real reach. But I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Yeah, but, it's 100% yeah. a reach. Yeah. Um, you, the people are talking about in the political climate, it's so volatile. And like, it's the same sort of thing. And I'm like, that's not what they were thinking. They were thinking, what's a cool way for monsters to hunt people? Sound. Boom. Right. Got yeah. it. And then we could do a whole movie that's super quiet. Like, that's where this came from. It wasn't like, I'm trying to talk about it the way we communicate as humans and well, and I think the family dynamic is really what's what works here. It's this idea. Now, the other, just just one side note. Again, this is the only podcast about side notes. Side note first. Um, the uh, <laughs> I, I was speaking to a friend today, and I was like, I was getting excited about the movie. And I was telling, him, oh, you got to go see it. I don't want to spoil it. And that friend, again, we're in spoilers. Here, she goes, oh yeah, the kid dies at the beginning, right? And then the mother gets accidentally pregnant, and they've got to figure out how to keep the ca- the kids on. And I was like how do you know all that if you haven't seen the film? She goes, I don't know. I just know all that stuff. And I was like, this is the reason I don't watch trailers because I was like, I don't remember the kid dying in the trailer. Maybe not. But it was like, but like, there's just too much information out there. And I, I didn't know any of that. I hadn't watched the trailer. So I kind of just, I experienced this firsthand. And so I think if I knew that the mother had gotten pregnant, the first thing that going, you know, and like I had time to process that rather than actually just experiencing in the movie, the first thing I would be like, Wait a minute. You guys know that you're about you live in a world where sound is like the killer and you're about to have a child? You know like isn't that I mean I feel like it was a mistake. It might have been a mistake, but I was like Jesus guys, use some protection or something or maybe don't do it. You know like I don't know, there's something about that that kind of like when you think about it sure. it's like again, I it, as the movie was playing, didn't question it. You, you want to know some other things if you think about? It? I don't want I don't wanna, Oh, I got I got plenty oh, you of got more? Let's go. Like peeing you're not peeing in the toilet anymore and you're not peeing in the wood. Like, how do you pee? Yeah. How do you poop? Depending on what you're doing. I mean, well, poop, you could like lay down some toilet paper in the, but you're not going to flush. Yeah, exactly. So what are you going to do there? Um, Again, doesn't matter. It's not in the movie. That's not what the movie's about. But I was just like, and then, and then there was this other thing. Like I just, again, I remember this from uh, an Eddie Murphy routine where he talked about poltergeist and the difference between black people and white sure, people. This sure, is sure. like classic eighties comedy kind of like shtick, you know, white people do this, black people do this. And there was this thing where he was like, it, you know, if a black person had walked into poltergeist, they, you know, and heard a voice saying, get out and be like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And I was like, this family, 
lives on this farm and it's like they're they're besieged by alien attackers on all sides of them rather than leave and like you say go live by a noisy place like like the water which could like you know protect you in some way yep. they decide to stay why not you know why not stay and like try to figure it out i was like yeah okay yeah jim sets up his conspiracy theorist basement uh with with the most narrative whiteboard i oh think i've God. ever seen okay. in my entire so that whiteboard yeah <laughs> the, that whiteboard is a real problem for me uh, I was like, really, Jim? You wrote this down? Rules. <laughs> Be quiet. Real quiet. And then also, like, Melissa, you know, like the character Regan kind of is like, it's almost like she's reading it for the first time at the end of the movie. I know. And then, like, the, the I like the what uh, monster number in area in a box that just says three. I'm like, okay. I, I, mean, I get what the narrative, again, didn't question it as it was happening. No, but it was very silly when they cut back to it. It's like, why are they here? Like, it's just newspaper <laughs> clippings and stuff. Uh, the other thing, look, I, let's, because we can either praise it so much or we could talk about some silly stuff near the end of this podcast. Uh, okay, so the spoiler alert again is how they kind of sort of learn to defeat the monsters is through uh, a, a high-pitched frequency that emitted out of one of the failed uh, uh, hearing aids that that uh, Jim had made for his daughter, and uh, it, it 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 it's it's interesting because we learn that as an audience before the characters learn it because yeah. it happens and obviously the daughter is deaf so she can't hear that or it's hear see see or hear but she sort feels of, it though. she feels it but it happens behind her right and she she doesn't know that that it's emitting a sound she just yeah. has, a, has a headache uh I, I, and, I, and eventually uh they learn that they can actually sort of weaponize it and they put it through the PA system that they have running and it it stuns it enough for um Emily Blunt to shotgun blast the crap out of uh out of out of a one clicker? of these, out of a clicker. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the uh, side, 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 <laughs> side, side, note. side, side note. I love the monster design. I feel like this humanoid Cloverfield-esque type thing has gotten refined down to a like this is a style of alien at this yeah. point. And the way that the the headpieces moved up and like it just it it always had weight and presence and it always felt. It, it was the realest feeling monster like that I've seen in a while. It also makes na like their design makes narrative sense because like their their function is they can hear really well. Yeah, so well. like they open up their little head head cave and like there's giant ears base or like ear holes. The last time I, th I I saw something like that that really kind of worked for me was Robert Zemeckis's film Beowulf when they when they showed the Beowulf creature has like really sensitive hearing and that's why he's driven crazy. Yeah. So I loved when they cut to like the eardrums of this of yeah. this creature. So then uh, the the dog finds out that that's how you fight them and and then they're able to do it and it ends with a beautiful beautiful shotgun cock yeah. uh <laughs> by emily blunt but this is my thing right there's newspaper clippings everywhere mm. it's sound and it's like all this stuff about it you're telling me the mm. government mm. that i know has mm. supersonic weapons yeah <laughs> didn't figure out how to beat these things in a, in in uh, a week yeah like it, this is something where it's like oh really they have sensitive hearing get the sonic mm. guns yeah. like that it's just there's, it seems obvious to me yeah, yeah I, I i agree i it's but it's that thing again but you don't care you don't, you don't care, care in the moment yeah i mean you could probably added some constriction to the film that meant that you know like you could you could narratively write that out write that away yeah but but it again it doesn't matter it doesn't take away from the experience of like living through the trauma and i think no i think we we sort of don't uh we're not putting as much weight on how skillful the writing and the directing is to kind of 
put us in that situation the, where we don't question those things. The where, story writing is excellent. Yeah, where we don't actually feel, and I think the directing is excellent too. Mm-hmm. I, I've read a think piece this week, um, which talked about uh, you know how it misses the the kind of visual audacity of silent movies you know like because it's kind of playing in the tro- it's playing in the world of silent movies and there's a long history of silent movies and what this writer argues is that um, silent movies tend to uh, w- will will allow the filmmaker to overemphasize visual storytelling and this film doesn't particularly um, innovate as far as visual storytelling goes. There's sure. Nothing, there's nothing particularly innovative. But again... But it also, I, it's not a silent movie. It's not a silent it's movie. It's a quiet movie. It's a exactly. It's not called a silent place. Exactly. And I think, you know, my point to that was as well as like, you know, there are movies which which emphasize silence. You know, there's a great tradition of... of Martin Scorsese, silence. Uh, not I quite, know, I'm yeah. kidding. Auditory films like um, Francis Ford Coppola's film, The, the Conversation, uh, Brian De Palma's film, Blowout. You know, those are films about sound, so they overemphasize. I don't, you know, like, this is a, this is... This is a movie about a family dynamic dealing with a tear and seeing how they will deal with it. The second, the other thing that we could really go on here is, is the actual pregnancy itself, you know, which is like <laughs> delivering, you know, a baby that that she, remains silent. You know, I know they they induce it with oxygen and that sort of thing, but like she's up there for a while and doesn't scream and has and then a fireworks hit at the right. That, that's yeah, clever. I, it's clever. It works. I I and you know what. In the moment, mm-hmm. I absolutely 100% bought into it, adored it, thought it was genius. And I still do. Even though I could nitpick it, even though we could like... I have one more nitpick. Just yeah, for keep fun. going. Just keep for going. fun. Uh, so I didn't know this. Uh, I wasn't sure, but I did some research. Uh, and I'm going to call this nitpick the corn conundrum. Okay. So corn is a vegetable and a crop that is not something that is sustaining. Yeah. So it means that like, you know, you go, you pick corn and then the husk is dead. You have to rip it up. You can use it for other things and you have to plant corn again. Yeah. Uh, those are some pretty perfect corn rows for uh, day 400 and whatever the hell. Right. They, they, they would have had to have used farm equipment to plant that corn <laughs> in that neat of a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just found, or or they'd have to, I don't know how they do it, quiet. Like, I don't know. It was just an interesting thing. I'm like, how are they getting that corn? I was like, maybe there's a genus of corn that'll just keep growing. There isn't. Uh, so <laughs> it's and like it, you said, but corn, cornfields are one of my favorite tropes in horror movies. Right. And I don't care that it, that it doesn't, that. It's a, it's a thing again. If you're on board with the movie. I was very on board. You know, you, it, uh, it doesn't matter because again, the movie is experiential as well. There's no like. There's no sense of people sitting down to explain the rules of the game. Yeah. So so there's no chance to like actually get ahead of the movie. The Other than the whiteboard. That whiteboard explains it. Yeah, that's that's true. Apart <laughs> from the whiteboard. At least it's not but it's like, at least it wasn't like John Krasinski and Emily Blunt kind of sitting down and saying, Where do these aliens come from? What do you think their weakness yeah. is? You know, like they had a really beautiful moment together with the with the iPod or whatever. Yeah, playing a little bit of music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like I I'm glad it was an old iPod as well. Like not one of the ones that actually has a speaker now where you know, like oh, if no. you accidentally <laughs> yeah. like you know, unplug it, yeah, and it's just like, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, is that what they were, they were listening to? They corn? Were, they were, they were listening, listening to corn. No, that's Wah. disturbed. Oh, and is it? They weren't down with the sickness. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, again, there. Uh, yes, you could argue there. You know, and I and I and I feel like a critic like Armand White would kind of like you know find some sort of societal imperfection and or you know Whatever. imbalance in this film. But again. It's so experiential. It works so well. There's no denying the power of this film. It's the number one film in America right now for very good reason. It's it actu- good. It actually creates an audience experience that is resonant as well. You know, like like the 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 notion that they keep the 
you know, the final moment mm -hmm. where the movie crescendos up, this is one of my favorite things in film. And, and it's, it's one of the things that I think is really, really difficult to do. It's a, something that the ending of The Godfather did, it's something the ending of Animal Kingdom did. Um, it's, it's this idea that a film doesn't just like, uh, Don you may away and kind of like, you know, like hit its highest point and then kind of like trail away. This actually crescendos at like one of the, at, at, at a peak moment and then cuts to black. It, and I, Mila Jolovich is hard at the end of this movie. That's not the reference I would have used, but, but know, it's it, correct. Is it? What, what are we, what are we? What Resident are we? Evil. Okay. It's the same, it's the same ending shot as Resident Evil. This is a better, okay. this is better. <laughs> they, I'm saying they, she out Mila Mila. Okay, uh, it's it that was, must be what they were thinking as well. They would be like, you know what, Mila Jovovich did this thing in Resident Evil. We gotta like, you know, we gotta go, we gotta go to town on this. Of course they weren't thinking that, but I just <laughs> like the reference because because you know it. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> I um, like things I know. They're comfortable. Um, I, 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 you know, like I think that crescendo was amazing. Look, and okay, one of my serious nitpicks, one of my ones where I actually think it is okay to like not be on board with this, mm. is the music. I thought that the that there was uh, a real opportunity here to do something sort of primal and and um, elemental with the sound, you know, like uh, like a la Johan Johansson who recently passed away, but he did the score for Sicario, uh, the score for Under the Skin, or something like that. Where where you're living in a world where sound is one of the most important things, and and to that end, the music that plays under scenes, uh, you know, of melodrama or things like that, feel very much like sort of traditional movie music as opposed to like something extraordinary, except for except for the final scene where the movie basically says, okay, we've lived in silence for this entire movie. We've lived. So now we're just going to like let loose. The score ramps up and it, it, it actually, you know, again, listen to an RPX, $21, $21. Um, it actually does play really dynamically left to right. Yep. And so it kind of works, but I did think the score was a little, a little underwhelming. I agree because I don't remember it. Right. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not memorable. Here's the thing though. Uh, even as I made that criticism, because I, I was making a note of that while I was watching the film, I was like, this is such a difficult movie to, to oh, actually yeah. edit. Because I can imagine you're kind of like trying to figure out what is the tolerance level of the audience to have this movie in silence at this point. Now, there are bold filmmakers like Alfred Hitchcock who've made you know a film like The Birds with no score whatsoever. So there is you know there is precedent for films to do something like that. And again, you know the uh, Michael Levy score for Under the Skin is this elemental, pure, raw thing that is disturbing in ways that I can't quite describe. Right. Um, so I would have loved it if the film kind of took that extra cinematic step and kind of did something with the score. But I also think. They were playing a real tightrope here, which was like, how much can the audience actually take of this? Um, there's a Ukrainian film that I I recently and I, I watched actually just to reference it because I've always wanted to see it. It's a Ukrainian film uh, about a diff uh, school. Okay. Where and and the 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 opening credit of the film the film is called The Tribe. Um, and oh the, yeah. Opening credit of the film is this: the characters in this film are diff. Everything is said in sign language. There is no translation or subtitles. And it's like, here you go. And, and, and Welcome to Thunderdome. Yeah, exactly. And, and I watched the film, and it is incredible how much the film 
either cues you or you actually just start absorbing the, vil- the yeah. visual language of sign language and you start figuring out how, what's happening in this film without hearing anyone speak. And if you don't know sign language, without actually understanding what's happening. So I think, you know, there is, yes, there's without a doubt more that could have been done that could have, you know, played into sort of cinematic experimentation. This is a crowd pleasing film. So it actually, you know, it kind of veers away from that, you know, I guess in some respect, but it works so well. Yeah. I, f- I feel like an asshole for saying things like that. You know what I mean? No, I think the, uh, uh, a keystone for a great film for me, the, the, the closer you come to perfect, the more I'll try to find to nitpick, right? That's just how my brain works. Yeah. And I can't find a particular nit in this batch of picking that, <laughs> is worth a damn. Yeah. Like that's the other thing about it. Like, yeah, we can make fun of the whiteboard and, and, and the corn or when the, and where do they pee? But that's all stuff that the movie doesn't give a shit about and make Neither sure and the audience, it, it teaches you not to give a shit about it. Yeah. So it's, it's a hand wave and it's fine. Cause guess what? These aren't actual moving images. It's just a bunch rolling at a rapid succession that tricks your visual cortex into thinking that stuff's moving in front of you on a flat surface. Yeah. No. Uh, so and and then just a, a couple of other things I wanted to point out as well, which I thought was really fun. I know this was this might be a little bit contentious here, um, but one of the things that you know came up in an interview with Emily Blunt and. Um, and uh, John Krasinski was, they were like, look, if we, because they both had the opportunity to be in Marvel movies at some point, and they really specifically pointed this out. They were like, if we had taken those opportunities, this movie wouldn't exist. If we had, you know, kind of jumped into the Marvel world, we wouldn't be able to make this movie. And I was, and, and look, I know that, 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 that is contentious. I know what your feeling is about it, but I, I and I don't, I don't, I, I know it's a good headline grabber, but I think there is some truth to that. One of the things I like about, Something I wanted to point out uh, that I don't know we've done consciously or not, but since episode 145, and we're up to 155 right now, notwithstanding two episodes. Must be 156. Uh, yeah, notwithstanding two episodes in that lineup, everything we've done for the last 10 episodes, apart from your Marvel things, are original films. Yeah. And I, and I just, I get, the, you know, that was the thing that excited me because the other thing was this film was at some point discussed as being a Cloverfield film. They talked about like in, introducing this into the Cloverfield universe and they were, you know, the writers said, we, we, we were certainly asked about, could we, you know, transform some of this into a Cloververse in some way you could, I could a hundred percent see that you could do it. You could see it, but but I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, you know, same. Like, uh, and I'm glad that this film stands up on its own feet. It's an original. It's an original property. Um, there is no. Uh, there's no sense that there needs to be a sequel to this film at all. There's no. no sense that the film is trying to build anything that would franchise upon it. It is just telling a, a good story. You know, like succinctly and well, and it it doesn't overstay its welcome a- at all. You know, like this film just just does what it does and gets out. Two points about the Marvel thing. Yeah. Uh, one, I knew that would be. It's okay. Uh, one, I, it's, I think you're right. It's a headline. It's a, it's a clickbaity, grabby thing. But like, because yeah, you know, and we don't, we don't really know this a hundred percent yet. But once Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and everyone sort of bow out of the MCU, that's when we're going to determine whether or not if someone took a Marvel job, they'll ever be able to make their passion project. Like you know what I mean? Like, and like for instance, I mean, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Evans right now is on Broadway. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're doing stuff they want to do on the side of this thing they're just doing the paycheck movie then they're doing the whatever yeah. stuff and we'll see how that goes and he did snowpiercer like yeah. i 
I think that's a, a cute way of saying that they're trying to, and it's not bad, and I'm not saying they're regretting their life choices. I don't think they are. <laughs> but the the that's sort of just trying to take a, a, an, a and it's an obnoxious question to ask these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but like that's turning a frown upside down in a weird sort of way. And and, 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 and they, they were very cautious to say, look, we don't want to say that anyone working for Marvel is, is kind of shilling or anything like that. Zoe Saldana has a beautiful quote yeah. out right now about when when actors or other industry people get upset that like that that they, they think they're shilling for Marvel and doing all this stuff. How like how much good that these actors and these roles do for like kids and children. Like there's a whole bunch. He does this whole diatribe. Look it up on the Internet. I'd butcher it if I tried it. The second thing about uh the the Marvel stuff and and I'm why I'm glad that this didn't go a Cloverfield way. I don't want anyone to ever think that my opinion is just because Marvel is able to connect all of their franchises and do a, a collective cinematic universe that I want this anywhere else. Like this, the Marvel Cinematic Universe takes is a is a type of filmmaking that I really like that I don't want anyone else to do because I just need one thing like that. Right. I think it, and I think that's another big reason other than the fact there's lots of problematic things why the dark universe, the DC extended universe, Cloverfield now that we got that Netflix piece of shit. Like th- these things aren't working because the the cultural zeitgeist is full of that and I know myself particularly I like that with Marvel. Great. Now I want it, it when I'm outside that world I want my other. I don't want everything to be a shared universe. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, and I I think that was my main point here is that I like that this is not only is it not a shared universe, you know, like it's not in the Cloverfield universe. There's no sense of trying to do something which requires you to buy another movie ticket. Just a movie. We're just like we want you to get the most out of the twenty one dollars that you spent here. Someone's salty. Uh, I am salty about that. But you should uh, again. I, I've, I've mentioned this uh, this book a couple of times. You should read that book, The Big Picture: The Fight for the Future of Movies, um, by Ben Fritz. Uh, it has an, it, it's got an incredible analysis of what's happened to Sony because of you know how successful Marvel was and how much Sony wasn't able to like continue up. Yeah, well, they weren't able to keep up and they basically they weren't able to kind of continue what they had been doing for years, which was make one big Spider-Man movie, one big James Bond movie, and then spend the rest of their time worrying, you know, about like original properties that they could kind of develop. Don't worry. Venom's coming out in October. Yeah. Got to make that got to make that, uh, that spider w- uh, sling somewhere. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, this has been the only podcast about a quiet place. <laughs> Shahir, when you are not secretly in your under mattress basement room mumbling how you hate the MC. Oh my god. That's not that's not what I'm saying. Well you wouldn't be because you'd be whispering it because right, you couldn't be, speak I, it. Whis- whisper <laughs> whisper your rage. I would whisper silently into your ear at my website Ooh. because I can do that. This got saucy. Yeah, uh, at shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Uh, Matt, when you are hiding away from the sound beasts that are at the other side of your door. That that analogy went nowhere. Um, it's my cat. You yeah, just it is your cat. my cat. Yeah, your cat wouldn't survive this. No, Zoe, we actually talked about it on the way home. Zoe would be so dead. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, when, when I'm not uh, not imagining, thanks, Shahir, yeah, my hey. cat's inevitable demise due to sound <laughs> monsters. You can find me at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, uh, and Emperor, M-S-K, on Twitter. Um, and, uh, oh, we're doing the last uh, Phase 3 Marvel thing coming up. Uh, you've seen them down the feeds. Uh, listen up if you like that, or, or just skip them if you don't. Um, 
Oh, oh, you got you're gonna you're take us out with something special, Shahir. Yeah, I was hoping to like segue into it something. No, no, no. So, he held up his phone, but this is so good uh, because uh, I was I. I was, you know, again, looking after my son, you know, having that trauma, you know, as soon as I, after I'd seen this movie, I went back home to my son and I kind of gave him an extra cuddle as he was in, in bed asleep. And then the next day I was kind of thinking about like the, the, the impo- implausibility of keeping a child quiet under these circumstances. There's no way you do it. You'd have to go live next to a sound factory or some, some kind a of like. A sound factory? Yeah, a sound factory. Yeah. Where they just, just manufacture. Yeah, white noise. White just, noise. Yeah, just manufacture. Or you'd live next, to, you'd live under the waterfall. Yeah. Why wouldn't you live under yeah. the waterfall? Um, come on, people. Think about your architectural surroundings. Anyway, and so my son just started screaming for no reason. He just started shouting, and I was like, oh, I got to record this. I got to record this. And as soon as I, of course, you know, held up my phone to try and record it, um, he immediately stopped and was like, no, I don't want to do this. But eventually, I did coax him into doing one thing and one thing only, which I'm very proud of, and I want to use it to take us out. All right. And here it is, my son taking us away, and we have been... The only podcast about movies. <laughs> you said again? The only podcast after movies. Thank you. <laughs>